Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie LMFM podcasts. Brought to you with Cartman Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartman Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmanCrossCU.ie. Tuesday morning, the 28th of May. Good morning, with much debate and discussion from now till 11 a.m. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The final seats are being filled in the elections, with counting resuming this morning. All of the councillors have been elected locally. In Louth and in Meath, in Navan, people have made history, electing the first ever black councillor to Meath County Council. And in Louth, two seats are in dispute because two local councillors have won four of the seats between them. Mairead McGuinness, Francis Fitzgerald and Kieran Cuff have been elected to the European Parliament. And while it is known who will take the four Dublin seats, it is not known who will take a seat now and who will have to wait and take their seat after Brexit. Let's talk about all of this with our political editor Eileen Brophy. Good morning Eileen and thanks for joining us. I suppose Brexit was always going to complicate the European elections so to some degree a dispute of this sort is not totally unexpected. No no, it's not. I mean even before we ever went to the polls people were saying that this could end up in the courts. Uh, So um, and obviously what happened last night um, one doesn't know what's go- what is going to happen, uh, but um, like the the count was adjourned last night, and they were told um, that they would be back. This is obviously the Dublin one. Mm. Um, that they would be back at eleven o'clock this morning. That was just going to be adjourned, but they weren't told why or anything like that. So obviously, uh, you know. People are taking legal advice. The Attorney General will be in uh, to see where where they're going to go um, at this point. So uh, what happened, I suppose, yesterday was that Kieran Cuff uh, was the first one to be elected and then Francis Fitzgerald mm. was elected. Now, which was which is quite unusual. Their surpluses weren't um, distributed. Uh, and, and I asked why that was. I was told that that was probably because uh, it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. So now maybe people are thinking it will make a difference. Uh, so 
will they have to go back maybe to Francis Fitzgerald's stage at that stage um, and, and take it from there and, and, and count again? It's unlikely, I'm told, there would be um, a full recount. Mm. Um, so it would, but there may be a partial recount. So um, there, there is a row. Now, like over the years, I have to say, I, I always you, it would be the surpluses that would be uh, done first. And also the other thing I noticed over the, uh, 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 over the weekend was that they were eliminating one, one person at a time. And over the years, I saw two or three people been eliminated at one time. Mm. Um, at, at, you know, the ones in the end that would only have small votes or small surpluses uh, that they couldn't make a difference if there was one. But yet they weren't doing that. So things certainly have changed um, and nobody knows what's happening now out in Simmons Court. So it's between Barry Andrews of Fianna Fáil and, and Claire Daly Independence for Change. And there's also yeah. a question over Lynn Boylan's transfers. Is there That's right. right. Yeah, uh, Claire Daly believes that Lynn Boylan's transfers should be distributed and um, uh, Barry Andrews' group are saying no, uh, that, the, that they shouldn't be. Mm. So, uh, like, it's a legal row and... Mm. Claire Daly is saying, uh, you know, due to the new legislation that has been brought in, um, that 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 they should be. So I mean, I, it's not you and I are not going to solve mm. this one. No, um, it's no, the lawyer. But it is right. complicated uh, as it, it stands. Kieran Cuff, number one over the line, yeah. followed by Francis Fitzgerald, and yeah. Barry Andrews of Fianna Fáil is third. So they're the That's three right. MEPs. Claire Daly has been elected, but as things stand, she won't take her seat until after Brexit. Now, she's arguing that Lynn Boylan's uh, surplus uh, or number twos uh, uh, should be uh, distributed amongst them, and that would uh, her transfers would bring her into third place, That's and right. that Barry Andrews would have to wait That's until right. after Brexit. Yeah, because people, like what, what normally happens is they'll say, okay, um, you know, without reaching the quota, I elect these mm. people. Now I saw three and four people have been, been elected without um, uh, reaching the quota over the weekend. But there was no, it didn't matter whether you were number one or number five, you're still going to be on the council or you're still going to be in Europe. But it does matter in Dublin because, as you say, the last seat, uh, you may never mm. take it. Um, but you certainly won't take it before the 31st of October uh, because uh, Britain are still in the EU. Should they leave the EU on the 31st of October, then you take your seat. But if they get an extension, uh, then you will end up waiting until that extension is over and they may never leave Europe at all and then you'll never take your seat. So that's really an important uh, seat. So I think we just have to leave that one to the lawyers. Okay, we'll be talking to Mairead McGuinness shortly about uh, the massive vote uh, she's received uh, from people locally. Uh, Is it enough to bring Maria Walsh over the line? I'm not sure anybody would uh, say that with any great degree of certainty at this stage. No, but Marie McGuinness herself was saying that last night, you know, that she mm. really thought that they could, she was confident, I think was the word she mm. used, uh, you know, that they could bring in the second seat. Um, you know, to get such a, a massive vote, um, one, would, one would wonder um, how was, how, you know, how they dealt with uh, the constituency, which I know was from Donegal. To, yeah. to, you know, I mean, it was just mad. Uh, but she did, like, I mean, she got a massive, a vote like 16,000 
uh, votes uh, more than, than she blooming well needed. So one would wonder, you know, um, should they have broken up the constituency a little bit better, um, you know, that, that sort of thing, you know, for the, to, in order to get definitely get uh, the two seats. But I suppose people are always afraid to do that. Um, and I know they did break it up, and I know there was a bit of a row in the beginning. Some people thought that the row uh, may have only been, um, you know, staged, uh, mm. but that it wasn't really a row at all. And other people said it was a, a row about the about constituencies. Uh, but um, she, got, she got a massive vote. OK, from Donegal to... Talonstown to Old Castle and all the way over to yeah. Ackle Island again. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'll be speaking to Saoirse McHugh a little bit later on. Uh, yeah, the big surprise I mean, in all of this. I don't know about in her constituency, you'd know better there, but certainly nationally, um, it was only after the debate on RTE that she really came to prominence and people thought, my goodness, uh, this girl is good um, and this girl could take a seat. And then, of course, the exit polls saw her taking a seat. Uh, but we don't know now, you know, whether whether that's going to happen or not. I suppose it'll all be, all, we'll all have yeah, to see the transfers. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, nationally, everybody was talking about her after that debate. OK, but uh, Mairead McGuinness has been elected. Uh, I yep. think it's almost certain that that Luke Ming Flanagan. Congratulations to her. I mean, it's, mm. like it's no mean feat to come in uh, with the, the 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 votes that she did. It's mm. just fantastic. Absolutely, and uh, the thoughts of uh, getting a, a second Fine Gael MEP, uh, a great yeah. achievement, whether they do achieve it or not. But Luke Luke Ming Flanagan looks certain to be elected, uh, and yeah. after that. Uh, it really is a matter of transfers, isn't it? It absolutely is. I mean, I think people were saying that Mark McCarthy would be elected mm. and that Luke Flanagan wouldn't be um, early on. Now, you know, Luke Flanagan looks as if, if he's definitely going to be elected and there's a question mark over Mark uh, McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So you just when it comes to transfers, you just never know. You know, in the old days, you know, Fianna Fáil transferred to Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael transferred mm-hmm. to Fianna Gael. Those days are gone. You know, people go for individuals. Uh, they obviously there are people that go party line, mm. uh, but then they go off on a tangent after that, and it's just amazing to see. Uh, looking at transfers to see where they go, uh, you know, because I think a yeah. lot of people do it on on personality or on ability or, Mm. you know, that they think, well, I think he's worth giving a a vote to, you know. Okay, but uh, no hope of a a Fianna Fáil seat, it would seem, in this constituency. McGuinness, Flanagan, uh, and then it's down to Maria Walsh, the second Fine Gael candidate, Matt Carthy of Sinn Féin, Peter Casey, the independent candidate, and Saoirse McHugh of the Green Party. That's right. That's, that's, it seems to be between all of those. Fianna Fáil, I think, you know, from the time of the exposes and even before that, I think, I think they more or less felt that they weren't going to make it, and, they, and, and obviously it looks now that they, that they absolutely won't. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's, it is the one constituency and they, like Fianna Fáil did fairly well all round, you know, um, with the local elections and um, uh, and also uh, in in Dublin. Mm. Uh, we have to see where, where they're going down in, in the south. 
uh, to see what, what happens down there. But it looks as if definitely Billy Kelleher will take that. They will get a seat, seat in the South. They will, yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so but Fine Gael will top the poll again, won't they, with Sean uh, Kelly? Fine Gael will yeah. top the poll again. And that's kind of been, like, you know, mm. people were saying right through the weekend that, oh, that's a bad day for, mm. for Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, yeah. uh, Fianna Fáil doing quite well. Mm. The Greens, of course, surge. Mm. And, uh, Labour not doing badly, mm. maybe not as well as they would want to, but certainly did very well in Dublin where they would, would need to do well and where they would expect to do well. Um, but I th- and, and also they did very well up in Laos, mm. in, in your area there. So they have definitely, the, the Labour Party, while they, they would have liked to have done better, uh, certainly, you know, can hold their head up. They, they absolutely did well. Fine Gael have ended up doing better than um, expected, but people were all saying over the weekend mm. that the people will forget about the, the locals uh, because it would be on, you know, onto the European. Mm. And that's where, where they're going to shine. And it looks as if they are going to shine there. OK, reversal of fortune, I suppose, uh, in uh, terms of the two big parties. Good local elections for Fianna Fáil, not so good in the European and vice versa with Fine Gael. But the upshot yeah. of uh, the European elections is that we could have a, a number of by-elections. Claire Daly could be elected. Mick Wallace could be elected. Uh, Billy Kelleher could be elected. Francis Fitzgerald has been has elected. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Maria Bailey could spark another by-election, I take it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that one, but anyway, there, there will definitely be by-elections, and this is probably a big fear, uh, particularly of, um, uh, for for Leo Varadkar. Uh, what, what's going to happen? They have to be called within six months, and what they normally do is they leave it to the party, uh, you know, to run the by-election. So if it's if it's Billy Kelleher and Fianna Fáil, then it will be they, they will run it. But if it's if it's uh, obviously Fine Gael, Francis Fitzgerald, then it will be obviously run by uh, the Fine Gael party. But it is a problem uh, for mm. him. I mean, it won't be a huge problem for him if uh, the left uh, takes some of those seats because that will dilute the opposition. Um, if uh, and if Fianna Fáil, uh, who have the, they have the agreement with, and themselves take seats, then uh, that makes them them stronger. Uh, but there is a big fear that if you have a by-election, that depending on where it is, that it could be um, the opposition. Uh, that will take those seats, and uh, I mean, we know at the moment uh, the doll is all is, is very difficult because Fine Gael um, don't have the numbers. So what they have to do then is Fianna, Fianna Fáil will abstain. But if they haven't got the numbers between themselves and the Independent Alliance, then they, uh, Fianna Fáil abstaining isn't going to help at all. So they'd have to hope that mm. uh, the opposition or left parties don't take those seats. What are you hearing about Maria Bailey? Obviously, she's uh, faced impossible questions or questions that were impossible to answer. Obviously, she's upset the party leadership and I gather has annoyed uh, the Taoiseach uh, to some degree, uh, but she's also put him in a a pretty awkward position. How will he uh, respond to all of this now, do you think? Well, she hasn't met with him, I believe, yet. And um, I suppose that that's going to be a difficult meeting. Uh, I think one of our big biggest mistakes was to go on radio yesterday uh, because that didn't go too well and to you know mm. for her at all so sometimes like you, you like she made her decision it was in the Sunday Independent top line uh, that she was she wasn't going ahead with her case 
Um, you know, she should have. I, I know it, it. It didn't end it, and it wasn't going to end it. And she still would have had to face the party and the parliamentary party. And definitely, Fine Gael people are annoyed. But I think you know, she thought by going on radio yesterday that she might put that back, put that to bed before she goes into the, in, into the doll today. And obviously, the parliamentary party meeting. Um, all of those things are going to be difficult mm. for her, and she had to meet the Taoiseach. That was a mistake. So where she goes from now I don't know but things are very difficult for her and she will have to face her colleagues and, and her, and her Taoiseach mm. or her leader uh, today. And indeed uh, the government will have to face the opposition as uh, the doll resumes uh, this afternoon Absolutely. it's going to be uh, the one uh, topic uh, yes. of interest uh, I think for everybody we'll leave there for the moment though Eileen thank you very much Thanks, indeed Michael. for joining us as always our political editor Eileen Brophy Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, let's say good morning uh, to independent councillor, returning councillor Kevin Callan, uh, who has uh, taken a seat in uh, the Drogheda Rural Electoral Area and a second seat in the Drogheda Urban Area. Good morning to you and uh, thanks for coming in to us uh, this morning. Uh, What does this mean? Uh, Because uh, we did hear from Sharon Kogan, who has also taken two seats in two electoral areas, uh, that she hopes to keep both of the seats. And she was saying to us, today, Kevin Callan's a barrister uh, and that she's been discussing a constitutional challenge in order to keep those seats with you. Okay. Um, No, no constitutional challenge from my point of view. Um, Just to explain to listeners Mm. exactly what happened in Drogheda, Michael, with the two seats. Up to 2019, Drogheda as a district was the town of Drogheda, Tully Allen, Termonfecken, Monaster Boyce and over to the East Coast. Um, and last time around, there were ten seats. There were ten available. seats. Yeah. So the whole it's been split in two, yeah. six, and four. Yeah, and those ten people mm. sat around a table for the last five years and made decisions on everything from roads to infrastructure to projects. That was the way it was. For some reason, the minister drew a line through the middle of it this time and made it six seats in the town and four in the rural. But at the outcome, all of those ten people will again sit around a meeting mm. table the first Monday of every month in Drogheda, deciding for the whole area. I thought this was a nonsense, and as a result, I canvassed, which was a hell of a an operation, mm. canvassed the whole area, called to everybody as I had done five years ago, because I've no doubt in five years' time they'll probably take the line away and put the whole area back again. So I was very fortunate to receive two mandates from two different districts. It's a bizarre one in that the vote, the difference in the vote numbers was one vote mm. um, between the two. I think it's 867 and 868. It's unbelievable how close it, it came. From my point of view, it's different to Sharon Kogan and Mead in that I'm not moving between two different areas. It's mm. all going to be, I will have a seat at the table irrespective of which of the seats I take. But it's a casual vacancy under the Local Government Act back in 2001 and it's up to me if I wish to nominate somebody for the other seat. But effectively, that's, that's where it's at. There's no constitutional challenge. It's very clear. I worked for the whole area for mm. five years. I got re-elected by the people of the whole area for another five years and I'll be working for them for the next five years. So which of the two seats are you going to take? I'm looking at that at the minute because if I don't propose somebody for the other seat it goes back to the chamber which means it goes back to a party Mm. and the people voted for an independent Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure if possible it's an independent person who's working with me in that other seat now, I don't believe in family mm. members or any of that yeah. nonsense, but I'm trying to look at a number of people to see if right. they're a fit. So when you say you can propose somebody for the seat, you decide if somebody... Is, yeah, it, but it goes to the full county. The decision is yours. Yeah, it is, uh, because uh, I was elected mm. by the people in that area, but it goes to the full county council. Mm. But it is appropriate that it is that person's 
proposal to put that person mm. forward because the people did elect you. Yeah. Now, I am not going to, if I can help it, I'm not just going to let that go back to the parties to divvy it up and decide what they want mm. to do with it. Because the people did vote. Nearly a thousand people voted in each area for an independent, not just for Kevin mm. Callum, for an independent. And that's my priority. Either way, they're going to get me for the next five years working for them, whether they live in Clarahead mm. or in Drogheda Town. So it's to see what I can do. I have three days from the time yeah. the results are published, which is today in mm. today's papers. So I have a serious amount of work to do on it, but I'm doing everything I possibly can to do what's best for the area as I see fit at so this stage. if you, let's, for the sake of talking, decide to take the seat in Drogheda Rural and you uh, select Joe Bloggs to in take Drogheda the seat Town, yeah. in Drogheda Town, uh, what happens if the council reject that proposal? Well, again, that's why I have to work on this for the next few days. So if I do have somebody in mind or if I do have somebody who's agreeable to do it, and by the way, Michael, mm. it's not an easy thing to get somebody... You think we're all mad to get into mm. office and to do this, but it's not mm. everybody's cup of tea. I think the public would probably agree with you there as well, and yeah, especially yeah, when you're yeah, in two areas. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, from my point mm. of view, it's it's not certainly something that you generally get people who are queuing up to volunteer to do, mm. other than the candidates. But is it certain that the council will endorse no, your no, proposal? No, no, nothing is certain. Is, nothing is there is a certain. precedent for this? Oh, it, it happens all the time. Mm. In Loud County Council, it's a casual vacancy. Mm. So in Loud County Council, we've had Declan Bratnock elected. To so the this dog. is like co-opting. Yeah, it? it's a co-option. That's all mm. it is. So we've had Fianna Fáil, Declan Bratnock, and we had mm. Emma Coffey take his seat. Imelda Munster, we had Joanna Byrne take mm. her seat. We've had a number of Sinn Féin co-options in the last five years. I think mm. we're up on... Loud's probably had five or six co-options. That's yeah. what this is. It's mm. nothing more. But there's a big hullabaloo so made of it because it's an independent. For the sake of Sharon Kogan listening to us, uh, who says she wants to hold on to both seats, your interpretation of the Act, which says a person shall not hold membership simultaneously of more than one local authority of the same class means mm-hmm. that it's not possible for no, her to do it. I, I am of the view that you can propose somebody... Mm in your place to take a seat. And this usually comes up if somebody is retiring or if somebody Mm. has actually passed away, that you must be aware of their wishes or of, let's say, their family's Mm. wishes if that was to happen. So my view is you cannot hold two seats on one local authority yourself. Mm. It's not possible. But usually when somebody is co-opted, it's because somebody has vacated the seat. They may take a dull seat, they may die, they may decide to retire, whatever the case may be. Uh, Have we an example of a situation like this in the past? Uh, Something that we can look at uh, to see what has been done elsewhere, where somebody was elected simultaneously to two seats. Yeah, it happened happened in 76 in Drogheda. It happened with Frank Godfrey. And what happened was, Frank's approach was to propose his father for one seat and his mother for the other. Right? Now, you know me well enough to know that's not what I would be even looking at. I don't believe in this thing of family members being appointed into seats. Mm. But in that case, the corporation at the time overrode that decision and permitted other people to take those seats. But that went back to the parties. I would never put a suggestion like that to Loud County Council. Mm -hmm. Ever. And I would certainly be talking to the different groupings before I put any nomination forward to ensure that people are satisfied and putting somebody forward of quality. I, I owe nothing more or less to people than that to make sure I try and get this right. Mm. Okay, well, it puts you in a relatively unusual position in itself that you're going to fill a seat, uh, mm-hmm. more or less on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Kevin Callan's gift. But Michael, from my point of view, when you work for people for five years... And let's say in Drogheda, the likes of College Rise and Brookville and mm. the Ballamacany Road, when you've worked for people for five years, and Boyne Hall, Boyne Lodge, 
those people don't understand why you suddenly just don't start, you don't call to them at mm. an election mm. and they get annoyed by that. I called to everybody that I'd work for and all the way out through the rural area as well. I had an obligation, I feel. Now, it was twice the shoe leather, it was twice the leaflets, it was twice the posters, it was twice the canvas, and all of us who were involved are absolutely exhausted. But I felt I had an obligation to do that for those people that I'd worked for. And my absolute commitment to them is, no matter where they live across the entire rural and urban area, I'm with them for the next five years, okay. irrespective. Okay. Have you got names in mind? I know you're not going to announce it now. But I, have, I have several different people mm. in mind, and I'm talking to a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. Well, we look forward to hearing from you uh, towards the end of this week. Thanks, Mike. And uh, thanks for coming in to us uh, this morning. Independent councillor uh, in two separate areas, uh, but uh, eventually he'll uh, select who'll take one of uh, those seats. That's Kevin Callan. A very unusual story, if ever. Let's go to another very unusual story, and that is uh, the election of a black person to Meath County Council. Finnegales Yemi Adanuga, good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very well, but uh, I'd say you're in great humour altogether. <laughs> and rightly so, I would say. Rightly so. Yeah, well, you, you literally have made history. How does that make you feel? Well, first of all, I feel very grateful to God. Um, you, when you set out to do something, you don't know you're making history. It was only yesterday that people started relating relating to me that, look, do you realize you're the first black woman uh, to be elected to any council in the Republic of Ireland? And I, for me, that was just amazing. And I am excited. I will be honest. I'm very excited. I believe that um, something interesting and amazing is going to be happening in Ireland. Diversity is no longer just a word. It's action. You know, mm. and I believe that so many people in this nation who are of diverse backgrounds have so much they can bring and so much they can offer and so much they want to contribute to the economy. So this this is a leeway into that. Who do you believe voted for you? Do you believe it was a black vote, a Nigerian vote, or was it across all sections of society and all people in Nabin because of their acceptance of diverse views and the belief that some of them would have in Fine Gael policies, for example? I think it was a cross board. It was totally a cross because even while we were canvassing, a number of parents of some of the young people that I would have worked with in the community were very excited. You would have thought some of them were the ones running, and these are Irish parents. And a number of the young people as well, and most of them are now over 18, um, were very excited and were looking forward to voting um, on the day. So it was it was a cross board. It was quite broad. And I was very happy about that. I think that it really told to me um, the fact that people in the community, young, old, um, white, black, they all valued what people had brought to that community, including myself. How did people receive you on the canvas? How how did people receive you on uh, the canvas? Was there any negative response to you because of your skin colour? No, no. Because of my skin colour, no. Not at all. Not one single one. Um, There were a few people who, perhaps because of party, 
weren't, um, I mean, that was to be expected. Mm. They weren't yeah. warm enough or they weren't as accepting. There were a few people, um, because they just weren't interested in voting, uh, they weren't so nice. But generally, I would say 98% of the time, it was very warm. It was very, people were very welcoming. Um, they had very encouraging words for me. You know, and that encouraged me a lot. Mm. It really got me going. Yeah. Well, it really is fantastic and fantastic to hear it. And uh, perhaps uh, the next time you're elected, uh, we won't even need to, to mention your skin colour or feel the need to mention Absolutely. Your Absolutely. Do you know, and most times some people would say, oh, yeah, the, skin's co- the skin colour is a disadvantage. On this occasion, I think it was an advantage. I think it was the fact that already in that community, a person... Um, of a different color was already doing stuff and people could see see it people could see it so um, I believe anything that has a disadvantage definitely has an advantage and I never see my skin color as a disadvantage anyway I see myself as a woman who is always out there who my life is about people I'm a people person I've always been you know and I believe politics should be about people so I ran at the time because of all that belief, not because I was black, not because I wanted people to see me as somebody who wanted to make a history. No, it was simply because I was a human being, a person who wanted to contribute to our community. And that was it. At the same time, you have made history and I'm sure you will now affect change. And thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Congratulations again to you. That's Finnegale uh, Councillor in Meath, Yemi Adenuga. Michael Reed on LMFM. The quota was massive, but Mairead McGuinness easily exceeded uh, the quota of 119,000 votes or thereabouts uh, by receiving 134,630 first preferences and joins us now. I've congratulated you, I think, after uh, elections on a few occasions in the past, Mairead McGuinness, but uh, I'm not sure I've done so after an election where the electorate has been so decisive. Congratulations to you. Well, thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the support, particularly from the because that's the home territory. So, yeah, we're relieved and we're happy. Mm. Uh, well, you're a seasoned campaigner. Uh, does it get any easier as uh, uh, the uh, years go on and uh, you face more elections, or is it something uh, that you become more hesitant about uh, knowing how easy things can turn on their head, as we've seen in uh, the cases of some people who've found politics to be particularly cruel in this election? Yeah, no, I think every election is always um, a challenge because you don't know what's going to happen in the course of the election. You, you're in control of what you've done, but not what, what comes ahead. Um, as somebody asked me recently what I thought, and I suppose maybe women will empathise with this, that, you know, after the baby, you know, you say never again, and then suddenly you find just that you are having another baby and you can never again because mm. that's sort of sense in which one forgets the trauma of past elections when you're going into another election. Although uh, this one was different than five years ago, but every election I've seen has been different. There are different complexities to it. And, of course, the territory is big and all that goes with it. Um, and in, in a sense, I said, well, that's the beauty of democracy, that people have a choice. They can look at your record. They can look at what you do in a campaign. They can look at how you look. They can make any sort of decision. And, you know, the vote is supreme. So from that point of view, it is good to have uh, that significant vote. And 
It's for the nice part, and I think every politician will understand this, that when you get over the quota with a little spare, mm. I mean, that's a huge relief. All right. Uh, well, I know you said you're quietly confident uh, that Maria Walsh might take one of uh, the other three seats in this constituency. Uh, it seems uh, as though the only other certainty is Luke Ming Flanagan, uh, who will take a, a seat alongside yourself, Mary McGuinness. Uh, would you agree with that? And uh, where do you see the final two seats going? Or do you care yeah, to... Well, I've heard nothing this morning because I, I came back from Castlebar last night, so I haven't, I'm not up to speed. But I think that that is your, your your summary is probably accurate. We're quietly confident that Maria Walsh, because she got a very strong vote, she's got over sixty four thousand votes for her preferences. Uh, she got transfers from me that she is friendly, and we hope that that will bring her over the line. It looks like um, MEP Flanagan will also make it again, and then we're not sure what will happen after that. But. I mean, I don't know if we leave more today because it's quite a complication to um, you know, allocate votes uh, to each of the candidates. But from a party point of view, quietly, Maria will make it. She was at the count yesterday evening and I think, you know, her own demeanour is that she's quietly confident of making it. So, you know, if that is the result, mm. that would be a particularly good day. Okay. Well, absolutely. Uh, and uh, if it is uh, the case, uh, do you care to predict who might take the final seat? No, I don't no. care. Well, I, I, mean, I care, you know, for those who don't make mm-hmm. it because it's tough for those who haven't. I, I spoke to Phoenix yesterday. Both were at the count, um, and you know, it, it is. It's a tough time for you, for the individual, but also for families and campaign teams. So you empathise with those who just aren't going to make it. But I'm not sure, um, and you know, there's speculation around all sorts of possibilities. Uh, clearly, um, McCarthy MEP is, is in the running. Some are suggesting that Peter Casey might be. Sir mm. McHugh is also uh, in the mix. Uh, so all of those people will have a tough day today. Um, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have that angst or worry. Um, but I will be watching very carefully and, and hopefully hearing from the Count Centre mm. as to how Maria is getting on. Yeah, well, but literally, no. it's, it's back to the office. Yeah, well, no doubt uh, it'll be a good election for Fine Gael, uh, even if she isn't uh, elected because of the huge Fine Gael vote locally. Sean Kelly set to top the poll in the South. Francis Fitzgerald elected in Dublin. Uh, 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 an election of two uh, stories, really. A good European election and a poor uh, local election. Why do you think that was? Well, I mean, um, yes, the Europeans look strong for us. I wouldn't categorise the locals as poor. Uh, maybe we had higher expectations and that has been reached. I have to look at each of the counties and that's part of the work today, just to see what colleagues have made it and those that didn't and some that didn't, you know, lost by a few votes. I know a colleague in Galway was so impacted. So um, I'm not so sure why. I think we need to look at each, um, you know, county almost and see whether particular issues uh, whether local or national issues that impacted. You know, I suppose when you're in government for a long period of time, that might impact uh, as well. There was this um, description by the media of a surge, you know, towards the mm. Green Party. Uh, Sinn Féin have lost um, heavily, uh, you know, in many areas. So I think I want to read all of the detail before and accurate summary of my uh, the results are what they are. But, you know, as I said, in my own case, the electorate every five years have an opportunity to give their view and they have given it. Um, and I would just commiserate with those who stood and didn't get elected for Fianna Gael uh, and thank them for doing so and indeed congratulate those who have got over the line because it, it's a great personal achievement. Mm. And, and, you know, I suppose the family side of it, 
you know, has to be mentioned, you know, particularly at local level, you know, families are critical. In my own case, they're critical as well to just stick with you and put up with all that comes with being a candidate and the pressures that it brings. And we try not to let it inside the kitchen door, but sometimes that's difficult too. Okay, well, a, a good European election here for Fine Gael. Not so good, though, for your European grouping, uh, the EPP, uh, seeing a, a drop in numbers and it'll be back to work, I'm sure, in terms of trying uh, to form uh, how the European Parliament operates after this election. There'll be some significant changes with uh, an increase in uh, popularity for the far right, perhaps not to the degree that people feared uh, but uh, you've uh, other factors to take into account such as uh, the Brexit party uh, and indeed how to deal with Brexit over the course of uh, the coming months. Yeah, I mean for our own party the UPP we, we, we had actually been you know we're relieved that we have the numbers we have I'm sorry Mireille I think we're uh, losing you there. We've the been, gremlins. Yes. Uh, we've, <laughs> we'll try to stay with you for a moment. Uh, you were talking about the EPP. You think that... Yes. It- uh, we, we didn't um, t- uh, lose as many as had been anticipated and indeed the far right didn't gain what they had thought. I'm still very confident that there's a, a significant majority of parties that are pro-European between the Greens, the Socialists, the Liberal Group and ourselves. And while we'll have to battle it out on some issues... You know, we will all have a focus on making sure that um, Europe works for citizens and that we're, we have a positive message. I mean, in terms of dealing with the Brexit party, I suppose there isn't a way to deal with them. They have one voice and one view in the sense of they want Brexit to happen. And indeed, we already have agreed uh, an exit strategy around Brexit with mm. the British government, but it's not getting through the House of Commons. So, yes, it is an issue that will have to be you know, continue to be watched very carefully. And, and you know, I agree with the Taunish and the Taoiseach on this. I think we are entering a particularly difficult phase. And a no-deal Brexit, which we haven't discussed for some time, is certainly back up again on the agenda because of the politics within the Conservative Party. Mm, and indeed, the players in terms of uh, the negotiations, uh, it, it seems as though Manfred Weber, the EPP candidate to take uh, the next presidency of the European Commission, uh, may struggle to achieve that. There's speculation that Michel Barnier may take that position. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation today in the media about what will happen. Normally, in this fits and candidate process, the largest political group, which is still the EPP, would get the um, president of the commission and in the, he, Manfred Weber is our candidate. There's also the possibility that the leaders that meet this evening may mull around other options and possibilities, but they won't do it without keeping an eye to what the parliament wants. So again, it will be thrashed out between the political groups. Michel Barnier's name has been mentioned because of his very prominent and effective leadership on the Brexit negotiations. So I think the question would be, would we prefer him to stay in that role, which is still ongoing, or, you know, should he go and and look for something else? But my worry is that with all of the, you know, talk around who gets what job, this could drag to July, maybe August. And I think that would be unsettling and unhelpful. I mean, there are three jobs or more up for grabs. There's the president of the council, which is Donald Tusk's job. We have the president of the commission, which is, Mr. Juncker's job, and then we have the President of the European Parliament, Antonio Tiani, the current President. So there's usually a link between all of those. There's the High Representative in terms of foreign affairs. So um, there will be a lot of issues there, including gender is going to be an issue, mm. both in the makeup of the Commission and in the leadership of these institutions. 
Okay. Well, we look forward to talking to you over the course of uh, the coming months, indeed, over the course of uh, the next five years. And thank you for joining us this morning. And congratulations to you once again uh, on that massive vote. Thank you very much indeed. Mairead McGuinness, Fine Gael, MEP. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning to you, Michael, and good morning to all of our listeners. Lots of people in touch regarding uh, these two seats, Michael, that mm. were won respectively by Kevin Callan in Loud and Sharon Kyogen in Meath. Um, a listener says, would it not be fairest, Michael, that the person who was eliminated last in the electoral areas that the can- that the councillors decide not to take the seat in would mm. get the seat? Is that not democracy? Sean wants to know. OK, well, it seems to be a, a matter of law. It's uh, decided by the Local Government Act and uh, that act uh, does very clearly say uh, that you cannot hold two seats simultaneously. That means it's become a casual vacancy and Kevin Callan says that that is like any other casual vacancy when people are co-opted because mm. of somebody stepping down for one reason or another and uh, it is in uh, the gift of uh, the person who's giving up the seat uh, to nominate uh, their success. Marie from Delique rang in and she thinks that it was selfish of the candidates or the councillors now Mm. to run in the two areas like that, that voters gave them their vote because they wanted them to represent them in their local area. Now they are left waiting to see which area they choose Mm. and that they represent. It's not really fair on those who gave Kevin or Sharon their vote uh, because a replacement will be forced on them. They won't have had a choice in who they selected. And um, Marie feels that this is completely unfair. And she says that they voted for either Ke- Sharon or Kevin. They didn't vote for a replacement. Are they really in it to represent the public when they do this? She wonders. OK, well, that's a problem, no doubt. Uh, that I'm sure people will uh, agree that it is a problem. There's nothing stopping a candidate running into electoral areas. There is, it appears, a legal obstacle to taking up both seats if you're successful. Uh, perhaps that will change in time. Jerry Floyd responded. We, I read out a comment mm. from him yesterday and he says he's not a constitutional lawyer, as you stated, Michael. However, the last time this happened, Frank Godfrey won three seats in the three wards in Drogheda. The Borough Council decided the co-optees. We do not have a list system, list system as they do in Germany. Normally, if a party seat, it goes to the party nominee. We've seen this in the event of death, illness, retirement. Would an independent, i.e. no party, the seat is decided by the council members? In theory, but unlikely, the council could nominate a Carlingford-based individual to draw at a borough council. This will depend on the council's standing mm. orders. The successful candidate may have a choice of which seat they take. However, this depends on the standing orders. The two councillors can go to court. However, as I stated, it is not their personal property. No individual can have two votes. So there you okay, go. <laughs> well, a very uh, different opinion this morning from Kevin Callan yes. uh, who has a, a legal background. He's a, a barrister by trade and he is saying no that there isn't a, a case in his opinion for a constitutional challenge uh, which Sharon Kogan, the other councillor uh, had been suggesting. Uh, Mary phoned in and she had the question to ask, um, was there many women elected this time in Meath? And just to let her know that, because uh, I was working it out this morning, of the, the 40 that were elected onto Meath County Council, 
13 of the 13 seats are being held by women and of course mm. Sharon Kogan holds two of those if you know what I mean yeah. and then in Loud nine of the 29 seats mm. are being filled by women and as far as I can make out that's one up on the last time round okay, so yeah. it's not mm. bad really yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot of females uh, I think uh, elected I think in around 200 nationally that's right mm-hmm. so um, it's, it's looking better definitely okay. isn't it mm-hmm. Uh, another listener, um, Sean, uh, different Sean though from Navam was in touch and again wanted to make the point that was already raised on the show yesterday in relation to the length of the counts. Is it a thing that uh, the, and it is a good point actually, that when you were casting your vote, you put all three forms in the one box and is there a case to be made for a separation at the actual polling stations? Mm. So then time is not taken up the next. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Next day, having to sort through them. John thinks that that would make a lot, a lot of sense. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it probably would, yeah. It might confuse some people, though, of course. Um, Joanne also contacted us and again it's all election this morning Uh, Joanne wanted to say that she's delighted Michael to see that many uh, candidates are already taking their posters down Mm. so she feels that the message has got home to candidates in relation to the posters that previously it really was kind of a last hurrah if you like was the, the you know with the final hours that many mm. posters were been taken down but now you can see the lamp posts are becoming empty yeah okay well that's the way it's meant to happen yes mm. so that's just a flavor michael mm. of some that we have in so far this morning okay on that. very good okay um looking then i think we were going to have a little talk about the mead Count and do a little recap on yeah, that. Because yes, because the counting has ended in County Meath right. and uh, all of the seats have been filled. Uh, so let's uh, take a, a look over who has taken those uh, seats. Uh, we've uh, six electoral areas, isn't it? We sure do. And yes. uh, let's begin in Ashburn. If in Ashburn, here. Independent Joe Bonner topped the poll there. Michael was elected on the first count with Fine Gael's Alan Tobin. Uh, next over the line was Suzanne Jamal of Fine Gael. Then Independent Sharon Keoghan took the second of her two seats on the council. 
And then it was really a dogfight uh, in the end with Conor Tormey and Darren O'Rourke of Sinn Féin coming out on top there. But it was looking very, uh, that it, there could be an upset there with Darren yeah. O'Rourke losing the seat. But he did hold on in the end. Uh, Lisa Meller from uh, Fianna Fáil, we had her in studio here from the Stamullen Gormanstown area. Mm. She did do very well for her first time out. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure Darren O'Rourke is very much relieved at uh, that result. Uh, interesting to see Suzanne Jamal back uh, with a council seat. Uh, let's go to Kells though uh, and we had seven seats to fill there. Yes, uh, Fianna Fáil uh, were, took the... Are we talking about late and Betty's time, Michael? No? <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at my order. Where, okay. where are you talking about? Okay, Leytown, Bellystown, seven seats there. Le- <laughs> Sorry, just making sure. Uh, Fianna Fáil, uh, yes, they took the three seats there. And a big upset there, Michael, of course, was, we spoke about it, uh, Tom Kelly, the outgoing Cahirlock mm. of Meath County Council, losing his seat. And also Emer Ferguson from Sinn Féin. So two outgoing councillors yeah. there getting their marching orders. But Fianna Fáil scored the hat-trick with Wayne Harding, Stephen McKee, Key and Thomas Behan all, uh, you know, taking seats. And then, of course, we have another newcomer, that Labour candidate, Annie Hoy, who was just came in four weeks ago to start, to, you know, to, and mm. started a campaign then. So that was some achievement to get elected. And, of course, Sharon, Sharon Kogan has the seat there. She topped the poll. And the two Fin Fine Gael councillors outgoing, Sharon Tolan and Paddy Meath. Very good, yes. And uh, uh, the seat uh, taken there by Labour, uh, obviously uh, another win locally for them and Annie Hoey building a good profile for herself as president of uh, the Union of Students That's of right. Ireland. That's right, yes. Okay, uh, where do we go to next? We'll go to Kells. Okay, we have seven seats there. That's right. And Fianna Fáil newcomers, Paul McCabe and Mike Bray have taken two seats there and they'll join their colleague, Sean Drew, Fianna Fáil. Independent David Gilroy was re-elected. Um, Sarah Riley uh, and Eugene Cassidy join Johnny Gwerk of Sinn Féin to make it, uh, you know, that that's the whole lot of the candidates there. Okay. And again, it was, it was looking at one stage that Johnny Gwerk could be, you know, fighting for that seat, but he did get in in the end quite comfortably. Okay, uh, let's uh, take a look at what happened in Ratoth, if we can. Uh, seven seats to fill there. Yes, and that was the, the first actual ele- electoral area to fill all of its seats. Outgoing Fianna Fáil Councillor Jamie O'Reilly Independents Gillian Toole, Brian Fitzgerald and Nick Hillian and Fianna Gael's Jerry O'Connor and Maria Murphy will be joined by newcomer Fianna Fáil Deirdre Garrity Smith. And it was interesting there, Michael, that one because Gillian Toole, you remember, did uh, resign from Fianna Gael and ran as an independent, but she did hold on to that seat. And in trim, uh, the last of uh, the seats in County Mead, uh, six of them to fill altogether. In trim, yes. Noel French topped the poll, followed by party colleague Joe Fox. Uh, there's a Dempsey back on Meath County Council because the former TD Noel Dempsey's daughter, Ashley Dempsey, was elected for Fianna Fáil. Another newcomer, Fianna Gael candidate, uh, Neve Sowen, was, has been elected, as well as the Social Democrats, Ronan Moore and Independent Trevor Golden. And of course, Ronan is a newcomer as well, Michael. Mm, so three yeah. out of the six seats there filled by newcomers. Yeah, very different uh, makeup uh, of uh, the local councillors there in Trim uh, for the the coming years. Very interesting stuff altogether. Navin. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we missed haven't it. done Navin. Okay, yes. The most nail-biting of them all. Absolutely, <laughs> and we've seven seats in Navin. Now. Yes, and as our listeners heard, uh, Nigerian native Yemi Adenuga took that seat for Fine Gael. 
independent Alan Laws was also elected and Emer Tobin, Paddy Tobin's sister, took the seat for Ain Two. And they'll be joined in Fianna Fáil's Tommy Riley, Francis Dean and Sinn Féin's Eddie Fennessy there. Of course, the, the losers in that area, Michael, were... Uh, Sinead Burke for Sinn Féin mm-hmm. and independent Wayne Ford. So by my calculations, Michael, we'll have 11 new members of the council. Very good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's because there were um, seven losses of seats. Mm-hmm. Five of them were Sinn Féin and then two independents, Tom Kelly and Wayne Ford. And then a number of councillors had stepped down. Mm. So a lot of new faces on the council okay. for next year. Very good. Interesting uh, times. Ahead. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And we'll wish them all well. Thanks for that, Marie. And uh, thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us as well for that battery. If you would like to add to what's been said, Marie and Maggie are taking calls today. Our telephone number is 1857 1958. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's go back uh, to the European elections. Marie McGuinness, uh, Fine Gael MEP, elected uh, for this area, leaving three seats vacant. One of them may or may not be taken by Saoirse McHugh of uh, the Green Party. Saoirse McHugh has been the big talking point of uh, this election and she joins us now. Good morning to you and thanks for joining us. Are you as surprised as anybody else that you became the big talking point of the election? Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm very um, well. I Yeah, that was a bit of a shock, to be honest. I felt like I'd been just shoved out onto stage. Um, I don't think I'll get a seat at this stage just of how the transfers are tallying. Mm. But the amount of number ones I got, when I think about it, someone told me that they could fill the Aviva Stadium. And I think it just indicates a great appetite for change and for for people taking meaningful action on climate change. 52,976 first preference votes. Uh, it's an incredible uh, amount of people for somebody uh, who was relatively unknown up to a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I suppose what it has made really obvious to me, you know, running for the first time, um, I wasn't fully aware of the influence uh, media exposure had and how how much you know, a couple of minutes of appearance. I think I was only talking for seven minutes on prime time. Hmm. Um, but that can totally change everything. And it was the television that changed it all, wasn't it? Yeah, like I've hmm. been out knocking on doors for months. But, hmm. you know, sure you know yourself, the size of the constituency and the amount of candidates just made that kind of canvassing really difficult. And, you know, of course, like, sure, I was on LMFM, and the local radio stations are really good. Mm. But for the sort of um, into every house coverage you'd need for a constituency that size, I think the TV is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people were very impressed with you when you spoke to us here uh, on the radio. But I think things changed overnight with one short television appearance. Uh, it really is incredible to think the influence that that can yield over people. Yeah, like there's 17 uh, candidates in this uh, constituency. And and you found the whole experience odd, didn't you? I mean, I think you were telling me that uh, when the microphones were off, uh, how people interacted with each other uh, when they were in front of uh, the cameras and then how they interacted with each other afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, you'd see, like, people slightly getting at each other, maybe political opponents, hmm. and then off cameras, they're lovely to each other. But I found what I was 
finding really difficult to get used to was the way people debated. So it's not even like a real conversation. Um, and I caught myself a couple of times saying, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And I realized that every sentence, it's not about, in it, well, I suppose this is just, you know, in certain cases, but in many cases, it's not about actually discussing. It's about making sure you get said what you want to have said. It's not about responding to what's been said to you. Mm. Tell us about uh, what you're hearing uh, from uh, the tallies at this stage. You don't think you're going to take a seat yourself. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? How will the other three seats fill out? Ming, I, I think, is almost home, is he? Ming is almost home and Matt Carty's almost home. I think when Anne Rabbit um, gets dropped out, a load of her, she's, it, she's her number two is tallying really strongly towards Brendan. So that might push him up a bit. I'd say he might overtake me. Um, but it'll be really, I'm just about to head down into the council for now. It'll be really interesting to see how they how they play out. It's, it's my first time I've read a count and it is mm. fascinating. Mm. Uh, so you think Matt Carthy, uh, along with Maria Walsh, is it? Yeah, I think it'll be Luke. They're getting in. Okay, I lost you there for a second, uh, but I, I think uh, that's uh, Brad McGuinness. Uh, Luke McFlanagan, Matt Carthy and uh, Maria Walsh uh, that you're predicting to take the four seats. Yeah, okay. that's my prediction. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, tell us a, a little bit about what you think you've achieved in all of this, uh, because as you say, it's reflected uh, what they've been calling a, a green wave and uh, a popular uh, feeling uh, that we should be protecting uh, the climate and uh, pursue green policies, but people don't want to pay water charges or pay extra for diesel or petrol, as we discussed last time round. Yeah, and and like that, I think what it will do is it'll show that there is appetite for climate action there, but people don't want the responsibility pushed downwards, and people do want system change because as it stands. Like, I have to drive a car. I live in a 200-year-old cottage that isn't on a proper lease. Like, I wouldn't be able to afford to retrofit it. Mm. Um, And I live 17 kilometres from the nearest post office and, you know, a good 60 kilometres from the biggest grocery shop. Um, And so it will be totally unfeasible for the responsibility to land on individuals just to make personal choices. Like, I spent so much of my life feeling guilty about what I eat, where I fly to, what I wear. And that is totally unsustainable because of the way our our society is arranged. Like just mm. yesterday, there were new exploratory drilling licenses granted um, by Minister Bruton and, mm. Shane Ca- and Sean Canney. And yet they were saying, oh, we un- you know, we hear the message that people want climate action, but we cannot just keep having keep cups and taking the bus you know, it'll need to be mainstreamed into our town and rural planning, into our agriculture, our fishing, into everything, because everything is going to have to be geared towards will this be positive climate action or negative? Yeah, the minister was saying, though, uh, you have to grant these exploratory licenses. Do you disagree with him? I do disagree with him, yeah. Hmm. Uh, um, I think we do need to keep the remaining fossil fuels in the ground. And to charge more. Uh, the Minister is talking about increasing carbon tax next time around, uh, and uh, that will be after failing to do last time around. Uh, he may suffer for it. Pe- when people actually are charged more for a bag of coal or for a, a litre of petrol, 
people won't like it. Well, people won't like it. And this is this is what I was talking about, this individual action. So there's no point in doing it unless the systems that we interact with change. Because if I like, so if, for instance, I started being charged more for coal, eventually, because we just we don't even have uh, electric heaters in the house, it's a little mm. stove. Eventually, we just stop burning coal and sit there cold. Um, because there's nothing to change to. You know, I can't retrofit the house I live in. It's the least. The argument against um, that, of course, Saoirse, is uh, that's the case if you can't uh, afford it because of the increases uh, and it's the poor people who suffer because wealthy people will continue to be able to afford it. Yeah, and this is why we need every aspect of policy to be mainstream for climate action because we are stuck in these systems where we do rely on carbon-intensive fuels. So it can't just be as simple as making people pay more while still granting fossil fuel drilling licences which will lock us into fossil fuel infrastructure. And when you said you've spent your whole life feeling guilty about what you eat, is that beef uh, or what you wear, is that leather? What, why are you feeling guilty? <clears throat> well, just things like, you know, buying synthetic clothes. So the fast fashion industry, high street stores have an enormous environmental footprint. All the, I don't know, like I, I was shocked when I found this out you know the way you see they get new stock in every few weeks a new season of clothes instead of giving away the other clothes it's incinerated um of course because you don't want to undercut the value of them and the fast fashion does have an enormous environmental impact um not to mention all the things we found out now about Mm. the fact that we have microplastics in our bloodstream and a lot of that is from washing synthetic clothes um you know in terms of what i eat it would be, yes, I would be feeling bad about eating, um, you know, battery eggs or beef. But I don't think that guilt is the way forward. Um, I don't think that relying on people's own guilt, like the way our government is suggesting we do, will work. Mm. And, you know, we can't all just oh buy a smaller house or cycle to work or, you know, stop eating this. We do need much more ambitious legislative change. Okay, that is uh, pretty incredible. They burn the clothes uh, that they don't sell. Uh, Didn't know that, uh, but uh, something for us all to think about. Uh, You've had a very interesting campaign. Uh, You're very close to taking a seat, much closer than you, let alone others, would have expected starting out this campaign. Uh, Would you run again? Oh, geez. A lot of people have asked me that over the last few days. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, one hour, I'm like, yeah, I definitely would. Another hour, I'm like, never again. Mm. Never again. Mm. So I'm sure I'll think about it properly over the next few weeks um, after, you know, I've had time to digest everything. Mm. Uh, Including uh, the likes of the Maria Bailey story and uh, how cynical politics can be for some people. Yeah, and it is. Even, you know, the last few days have been my first interaction with um, a lot of media. And just being careful what you say, you know, and it almost feels like they're trying to trick you into saying something. Or you'll see a headline and you're like, yeah, well, technically I said that, but you know that's not what I meant. And the context is taken away from what you said. Mm. Um, so there's a lot to get used to and to to think about, you know, would my would my heart be okay for this? Because it. I found it quite emotionally trying. Mm, I'm sure. 
I'm sure. Well, look, congratulations on what was a, a good campaign and thank you indeed for joining us again on the programme. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you indeed. Saoirse McHugh, uh, the Green Party candidate in uh, the European Parliament elections. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now let's reflect on uh, the elections from a Fianna Fáil point of view. Uh, Thomas Byrne, uh, TD for Me East, has uh, come into us uh, this morning. Good morning to you and morning, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, overall, are you pleased at uh, how the party performed? Yeah, we're very happy. Um, the overall national percentage of the vote, Michael, is 27%. I think that's yeah. the highest we've got in at least 10 years. Uh, so we're very pleased with that. Uh, locally in Mead, uh, we've made gains. Uh, as Marie listed them out there earlier, I think we've we've a net. We gained three new councillors, a net two gains in Mead. Uh, similarly in, in, in Loud, there are big gains as well. And overall, we've we've made con- uh, significant gains uh, across the country. Uh, Dublin as well, where we perform really well. And out of the four local authorities in Dublin, we're the biggest party in three mm. of them. Mm. So that's obviously a big recovery for yeah. the party. It's been slow and steady. And from the personal point of view, a good election for you as well, with your brother being elected, uh, and indeed uh, your assistant in the constituency being. Yeah, and uh, I suppose Mm. that there's what I did, and I I spoke to all the sitting councillors about this, there was five candidates, Mm. new candidates that I wanted to help. I couldn't be with all of them all of the time, Um, and I I helped others as well, but there are five I suppose I was focused on, and four of them got elected. And I suppose the the attitude that I have in politics is that, you know, I got the opportunity, I took the opportunity, I Mm. continue to work hard and continue to serve the people never pulled the ladder up from new people coming forward as well who want to serve their communities and I think that's that's worked well this year in late town Bettystown with three excellent candidates you know the two sitting councillors added to it by Tom Behan similarly in Kells we have uh, Paul McCabe who's only 24 he's now probably the second or third youngest councillor in the country and the respect that he has in the community across North Mead is incredible Deirdre Geraghty Smith absolutely delighted that Deirdre mm. uh, got elected in a very tough constituency with very strong outgoing councillors there uh, in Retote so I'm really pleased with that Conor Tormey uh, holding his seat that he, he was co-opted onto this year uh, in Ashburn too. Disappointed for Lisa Meller who got an over, a huge vote in Stamullen mm-hmm. but it just wasn't enough in, that, in the geographical area that it's in with Ashburn there. Uh, so look, that's my attitude. You know, you need good people from their communities who work hard and that's what Fianna Fáil has done all around the country to try and recruit uh, good candidates mm-hmm. and that, that's the key to it. But what have you learned about the national mood from this election? Because uh, you're... Uh, well-experienced politician at this stage. You were elected under Bertie O'Hearn. Uh, you've come uh, through the good times, into the crash, out of the crash, the demise of Fianna Fáil, uh, and now uh, there is uh, some return for the party. But the mood nationally has changed as well over time, hasn't it? Well, I think what people want is, you know, with the, the economic crisis obviously had a profound effect on the country and, you know, it had a profound effect on our party. Uh, first of all, we lost a lot of seats, but we had to look at what actually happened there and what was what were the lessons to be learned from that economic crisis? And obviously, fiscal management and running the country properly mm. was actually key. And I think that Fine Gael certainly nationally have lost some credibility from that. Only a few short years from the economic crash, uh, people expect governments to balance the books and to spend the money of the people wisely. Um, the and people are making decisions on that basis, but the anger isn't there, is it? Or is it? No, mm. no, I wouldn't say that people were were, were angry in particular. Um, people, I suppose, when, when the economic crash happened, yeah. people's you know financial and personal lives in, in many cases were devastated. So there was huge mm. raw anger there. There's no question about that. But I think people always respect whether they vote for them or not. A local worker in their in their area, or a, you know, a politician who speaks out, or a politician mm. who who's seen to deliver, or who's seen to be honest, or, or whatever, uh, they respect them. So, so even even during the economic crisis, there, there was there was still a respect for politics, even though people were angry. Um, but I think people look at it very methodically now. They want to see who are the best people, the best parties to represent them and to do the job. So, there may not have been huge raw anger about the way Fine Gael are managing the economy. 
Uh, but I think certainly there was probably a lot of frustration about that mm. and, and that was certainly expressed to us on the doors. But also as well, I think people are very mindful of Brexit. I think, one, you know, Michal Martin has set out our stall in relation to confidence and supply. And it's, you know, you've put difficult questions to me about that before, as have people mm. on the doors. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest, they've asked mm. the same questions. Yeah. Why, are you, why are you still propping them up? But I think that we were able to go back and say, look, Michal said this last December, um, that you know, Brexit, the No Deal Brexit was a danger. It's actually mm. more of a danger now. We'll stay in for another budget. Mm. People have responded to that, Michael. Our vote has gone up at twenty-seven percent. You know, ahead of Fine Gael, despite very recent polls showing a much a huge gap between us and Fine Gael and us on the wrong side of it. We're on the right side of it, uh, and we'll continue to put that message there. That the country needs stability, and with Fianna Fáil, what we say is what we want to do and what, what mm. we intend to do. Yeah, well, uh, we may end up in a situation where a general election is a, a better option than going through all of these by-elections now anyway, well, because it seems inevitable that we're going to have a, a number of by-elections. It does. Um, Billy Kelleher looks uh, mm. like he will win a seat that certainly won, uh, mm. that I'm familiar with. Obviously, Francis Fitzgerald mm. was elected as well. Yeah. Um, possibly yeah, Claire well, Daly. Possi- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. there the, the certainty so far, and possibly Claire, Claire Daly is likely mm. to. Um, possibly Maria well, Bailey. <laughs> Possibly. I, mean, I yeah. don't know who ever told her. I'm a solicitor myself. Mm. I don't know whoever advised her that a hotel would be liable for falling off a swing in those circumstances. Mm. It's absolutely extraordinary, Michael. I mean, if someone came into my office with that case, mm. I wouldn't have taken it on because it, it, to me, there's no case. But anyway. Mm. Um, Mick Wallace. Yeah, they're there. They're, they're. Look, all Fianna Fáil can do in relation to a general election is set out our stall. We have said we won't pull the plug. So it won't be Fianna Fáil that will precipitate a general election by saying to Fine Gael, right, we're gone. Mm. We're not going to do that because we think actually the country needs stability. Mm during this uh, crucial Brexit period, during the Tory Prime Ministership, the final negotiations, mm. the setting up of the, the new European administration following the European Parliament elections. If the Taoiseach wants to call an election and he's already speculated on that, I think very unhelpfully for the country, um, maybe to distract, that's a matter for him. The Constitution allows him to go to the President and ask for an election. If the numbers aren't there in the doll and the government can't keep the show on the road, even with us abstaining, mm. then the confidence and supply agreement obviously mm. uh, doesn't apply. If they, it is, it is conditional on the government having the numbers. Of course, so yeah. a lot of it is mm. outside of our control. But what I can say from Fianna Fáil's part, uh, what is in our control mm. is that we won't do anything. to Okay, are you going to continue today. propping them up, as you put it a moment ago? Well, uh, if uh, Maria Bailey isn't uh, dealt with in some way, or, or what do you want to happen in relation to that? Well, I haven't thought what I want to happen. I mean, I, I mean, the case has been dropped. I think mm. she's going to pay a very high personal price, actually, mm. not just politically, because you, know, you can't just take a case and drop it. I mean, the other side would be entitled to look for their, their legal costs. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's a significant punishment for her. I think she was... She was the advice she got, certainly, I, I, would, I would question both PR and, and legal. Um, and we will see what happens this week. But, I mean, clearly there was a huge amount of inconsistencies mm. in that particular case. And... Uh, they've been well, it'll be raised by Fianna Fáil in the Dáil today, will it not? I have no idea what mm. Michael Martin will raise. I'd be very surprised well, if it doesn't. He has already, he has already mm. raised it mm. last week. Mm. He mm. doesn't reveal to us what he intends to raise on a, on a weekly basis, okay, so we'll see. But mm. he, he raised it last mm. week publicly, obviously, mm. and, and obviously that, that, it, there were so many questions out of that case. Mm. It is absolutely incredible. And, and as a solicitor, I've been studying it very, very carefully as to, you know, the... The inconsistencies with the with the claim, you know, the, when she was running or not running, etc. And I have to say, Michael, this is very, very it's uh, dangerous stuff for a person to get involved in that. Actually, when you take a court action, um, I'm very strong of the view that if someone causes you an accident and you suffer injury, then you're entitled to get compensation. But the key thing is not that you're injured; it's whether someone else caused it. And I think that's the problem here. 
So how is the hotel in any way responsible for her falling off a swing while holding a bottle of beer in one hand and reaching for a bottle of wine in the other hand? It just doesn't arise and should never have been near uh, the court. And the other thing I would say is that there seems to be conspiracy theories now have been spun as to who leaked this. This was a public court case last Monday. I mean, we hear these things in public. So I've no doubt that journalists every week are looking at the personal injuries list to see if there are any famous names appearing on the list. And if they're not doing that, they should be. Because this is all publicly available on websites. Mm. Um, so I think... She certainly didn't know what she was getting into there and possibly was led down the garden path, has paid a massive personal price, but probably a political price too. So mm. we wait to see with interest what, okay. what further answers are given right. that. Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting if uh, her position has changed by the end of uh, the day, uh, something to watch. Uh, but let's go back uh, to the elections. Do you think that uh, there will be a by-election for Claire Daly's seat in the very near future? Well, the, Which is a roundabout way of asking another question. Well, the, see, if Claire Daly, Billy Kelleher, mm. Francis Fitzgerald... There are others, but the the situation is very clear. They, they take their seats, I think, the first week of July, so they're in the doll until then. And then it's six months after that. Okay, so that but will she take the third seat or the fourth seat? Well, in, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know the answer to that this question. Is, uh, I've been in touch with my party colleagues mm-hmm. who are at the count centre today, so they're unwilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, they're unwilling for me to, to speculate on that because we mm. haven't speculated on that and it is all in the, the lap of the gods there's surpluses there uh, you don't know how things mm. are going to go sometimes parties get the bounce of the ball with, with dear to Garrity Smith who was mm. behind the candidate we got the bounce of the ball and she got the seat but Lisa Mellor the opposite applied mm. um, so it, it all depends on transfers and it's not possible to speculate and, you know Will it end up in the course though? Well the law is very mm. clear I, I think uh, some Look, uh, European elections have ended up in the mm. course before, very famously here, yeah. Simon mm. and Michael Bell in 1989, I think, and mm. uh, 10 votes. There was a high court action over it. It didn't change the result. Uh, court cases don't tend to change the results of elections uh, because generally the courts are reluctant to get involved with the people who have spoken and if the law is clear. Mm. Um, so anything is possible with the European election, um, but uh, we certainly want Barry Andrews in the European Parliament uh, mm. to have that mandate. I think he, you know, he has the experience there. Uh, but look, from yesterday I can tell mm. you this, from one count to another you get optimistic and pessimistic and yeah. w- w- it's not possible to predict what way the transfers mm. will go Did Fianna Fáil blow it in this constituency? Well we should be winning a seat so mm. I, I won't use the words that you described but mm. yes we should be winning a seat there yeah. and actually uh, the candidates just didn't take off they worked hard a huge respect for mm. Anne Rabbit and Brennan Smith but they simply didn't take off in the constituency and uh, someone else there's no doubt would have particularly with the collapse uh, of the Sinn Féin mm. vote for Sinn Féin are losing seats mm. left, right and centre including in Dublin that would have been a seat I think that we would have we could have taken If there was one candidate would Fianna Fáil have done better? It's hard to know because I have to say this Michael that, and, and this was said the last time too mm. even in the European elections people vote very very locally so the last time actually what happened was and this hasn't really been said as Pat the Cope did very well in Donegal I did very mm. well in Meath and the Drada area um, but outside of that we didn't we didn't perform at all so there's arguments for and against a single candidate um, and geographically they were very well positioned but they clearly didn't get enough votes even in their own geographical areas uh, looking at the looking at the results and we don't have final results there and we heard mm. Saoirse McHugh saying that Brendan Smith could overtake her yep. I don't know what will happen it looks mm. very unlikely um, but we, we we don't know what will happen uh, by the end of the campus. but look mm. we have to dust ourselves off it's been a very good day for Fianna Fáil we've mm. uh, increased uh, our local council seats we should be getting two if not three MEPs because Malcolm Byrne is very much still in the running uh, down in the South constituency uh, and we, we certainly want to play a big part in the Aldi party group mm. which is now which will now have a hugely significant voice in the European Parliament we didn't have that voice the last time because Brian Crowley was sick and of course left us shortly after he got elected so whatever we get today is an improvement on the European scene 
But look, our position nationally now is very, very strong and the, the leader's judgment, I, I mm. think, uh, to a certain extent has been endorsed uh, by the electorate and our members. Our members are eager for Fianna Fáil to mm. the government, but I think they are patient as well. What did you think of Saoirse McHugh as a candidate, uh, an, un- was, an unlikely politician? I thought she was brilliant. Mm. Uh, and I didn't hear of her until last mm. week. Um, and I watched a few YouTube, uh, Twitter videos mm. and thought this, this lady has something. Uh, and certainly I would be very strong and environmental issues myself, and I certainly gave her a high preference after my, 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 my own candidates, Brendan Smith and Anne Rabbit. Um, so, yeah, however, mm. I would say this, that the exit polls vastly overestimated the Green support, that, you know, when we were all watching the Late Late Show on Friday night, we thought, you know, the Greens were romping mm. home everywhere. They've done very well, but they weren't romping home. In fact, they're on less in the real vote than they were in the in the last Red Sea Sunday Business mm. Post poll. So I think there's going to have to be an issue about polls. And she's significantly less than what, what was predicted, as is Kieran Cuff, although he'll get elected. But look, it is right that there is a focus on environmental issues. And, you know, if, if, if that exit poll, even if it was inaccurate, did anything, it has jolted parties mm. uh, to, to deal with these issues. Is that wishful thinking, though, or is it... No, it's not, because... You know, uh, that no. people want to pay more for... Implementing well, see, these policies and so the on. The problem is not paying mm. more. It's what do you mm. get when you pay more. Mm. So the problem... So, you know, a carbon tax shouldn't be seen simply as a tax. And what we were afraid of when, when, with a carbon tax in Finnegale is that they would use the money to fund income tax cuts. Mm. What it really needs to do is actually change people's movements. That, you know, that, you know, that technology develops that actually a carbon tax will make people, when they change their car, buy an electric car, uh, which is actually a lot cheaper to run. It's not very practical at the moment. It's starting mm. to get practical. One of our cars at home is an electric car, but it's not mm. practical driving around the constituency. No. Well, you wouldn't we be could, driving over to Galway. Well, I wouldn't be driving. Yeah. I wouldn't be driving <laughs> yeah. from Kells to Ashburn. <laughs> yeah, uh, and back. You know, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't mm. be possible yeah. at the moment because mm. there is a charge mm. point in Kells, a slow one, etc. So mm. we need to vastly increase the infrastructure. Um, so uh, that, that, that's that's an issue. But but these things will change, and they're, mm. they're changing very rapidly. But the, but the point with the carbon tax is not to punish people. The point with the carbon tax is actually to improve insulation, to you know, make things cheaper. That we're actually, it's not that we're using different energy sources, mm. it's actually that we need to use less energy. Mm. And if we use less energy, then in, in, in our daily lives, we make towns safe for cycling and walking. If children should be able to walk to school in every mm. circumstance, certainly in urban areas, maybe not mm. in rural areas, of course, um, that, make, that makes the difference makes our towns cleaner yeah. and we've got to start at the bottom one. But are there simpler things we can do or are there not? Uh, electric cars are of the future as well, such. Well, they're, they're starting to get there. Yes, but they really aren't there yet. Uh, no. I mean, but we could well, put in the commuter belt, in the, look, for someone who's commuting from mm. most, you know, say, South Loud, East Meads, mm. South Meads into Dublin, the yeah. electric car is a very viable option. Unfortunately, provided you have a second car at mm. home, diesel, if you ever need to make that trip to Galway mm. or to Cork, yeah. and that's the uh, problem. Whatever, and that is the mm. problem at the moment. Mm. People can make a start. Yeah, um, but there are, are, are simpler things we could do, like put back uh, the uh, bottle banks uh, in the recycling areas. Uh, we could have. Uh, yeah, we need. We need. Look, we don't green have litter bins, uh, yeah. recyclable litter bins. We um, could have a deposit on, on plastic. We don't bottles. have. Well, we don't have a recycling centre in Ashbourne. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. have any kind of recycling facility mm-hmm. in Stamullen, for example, at all. So th- mm-hmm. these things need to start, and the councils need to get real and say this is something that is absolutely essential, to, not only to save our environment but also to make our towns and, and, and mm-hmm. villages cleaner. Uh, that people have a place to mm. go to, that they're not simply depending on throwing the stuff out in the bin. So lots of things can be done. And I'd certainly mm. be encouraging our councillors at local level not to sit back, uh, but to make sure that these policies have been driven not just in the Dáil, but at local council mm. level as well. And the types of ideas that you, brought, that you suggest mm. are very... But we've got to use less products as well. There's no, no two ways about that. Like well, and that could be done easily enough. Yeah, we all, we all have to. We're going to I football mean, matches when we're using... Yeah. We buy but the watch permanent what, bottles. What, what, watch what they're doing in, in Lidl, where you can unwrap your produce and 
put them into recycling. That could be introduced as bylaws across the country, Absolutely. couldn't it? Councils mm-hmm. have the power mm-hmm. to do these mm-hmm. things. I strongly encourage them to do that. And once mm-hmm. they start doing that, the supermarkets won't mm-hmm. bother. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you go to France, to Lidl in France, there is no plastic mm-hmm. wrapping on any of the fruit and veg, and it's beautiful to look at, and people just bring it home in whatever bag they have. So these are the simple things that need to start. It can start at ground level, very simple things. And obviously there's a national and international debate as well about what needs to be done. But this is a real issue. It's a serious issue. And I think people that think it's not... Uh, I think need to get real. I think the young people are right uh, in the pressure they're putting on the the the, the grown up or the older generations. Okay. Uh, just uh, before we finish up, what are your thoughts on the plebiscites? Well, Confusing uh, message, if ever there was. Well, look, I mean, mm. John Paul Phelan, you know, three cities divided. Was apparently mm. blaming Fianna Fáil for this. I mean, they they announced these. I don't mm. know how long ago they announced them. The legislation only came through the doll a few weeks ago. Mm. There was no campaign by the government. They simply weren't explained. There wasn't time for debate. I think if you want something like that to, to, to get going, you need a grassroots commission. Mm. Say like the draw the city status who were on the on the on the, the bottom up like as such. Mm. You can't come in on a thing like that. But what that. does the result mean now? Do you think I, to, to park the idea? I've absolutely no idea what the right. result means. Okay. They just they made an absolute mess of it. Um, by simply just pulling this through as some kind of an idea from John Paul Feen and huge inexperience there. Putting it through the door a few weeks ago and expecting the public then to sort of buy into it. It's, they're not going to buy into it Like if it's just imposed from the top with little notice and little debate. This needs to come from the ground up from, uh, you know, chambers of commerce and community groups locally uh, looking for this and trying to sell it locally and having a sort of a long drawn out thought process of what exactly you want your mayor to do, mm-hmm. what exactly you don't want them to do, where do you want them to cover it's not going to work in the, in the manner that Fianna Gael did it. Okay. Thanks for coming into us uh, this morning and for joining us on the programme. Fianna Fáil TD for me, the East Thomsburn. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a number of incidents Garda you're investigating locally and perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Sergeant Vincent Jackson, Crime Prevention Officer for the region, joins us for the report this week and we begin with a fatal traffic collision that occurred in Kells. Yes, good morning, Mike. Yes, this accident happened last Saturday evening at just around 5 past 4 in the afternoon when a motorcycle and a tractor were in collision at Ballarat Cross at Rose in Kells. And now we're asking um, anybody that was in that area, one of the um, areas we're looking for uh, information from people who may have been travelling from Courttown to Oldcastle coming through Ballarat Crossroads or anybody travelling in the other, other direction from, let's say, from Kells to Clonmelon if they would have seen anything before or after the accident around five past four. Unfortunately, we had a fatal collision with the motor, motorcyclist and the tractor. And anybody with any information, we'd appreciate if they get in touch with us at Kells Garda Station at 046 We go to Tully Allen next and uh, a robbery from a shop to report on. Yeah, Trahata Garda, you're looking for information of anybody who may have uh, seen any anything uh, last Saturday uh, at 18 minutes past five when a lone male entered a shop uh, in uh, Tully Allen. Uh, he was about five foot nine, five foot ten in height, slim build. His face was covered with a white cloth. He had tracksuit bottoms and he was wearing a distinctive black North Face jacket. He, he walked in towards the till, demanded money from the cashier and he left. Now, we understood... We understand that he uh, may have got into a silver Vauxhall Corsa 
EGZ three double one four. So draw the guard at O four one nine eight seven four two zero zero. We'd appreciate any uh, information from anybody who was in the Tully Allen area at a quarter past to twenty past five. Okay, and uh, nearby uh, another robbery from another shop. This one in Aston Village. Yeah, now we believe they're connectors, and this happened on Saturday evening, also uh, the twenty fifth, at a couple of minutes past six. Where the village, where the, where the shop was uh, entered by um, a male uh, again wearing the North Face jacket, so we believe it's the same male. And uh, uh, anybody with any information from that, he fled on foot. But we believe he may have had the car nearby the Silver Cor- Vauxhall Corsa EJZ three double one four. Okay, an appeal now to anybody who might have information about a, a petrol bomb attack uh, which took place in Dundalk. Yes, this took place at Ross McCain at Bridge Dundalk on Sunday morning in the early hours at 3.55am. Uh, a petrol bomb was thrown at a vehicle and uh, uh, set on fire. Luckily there was no damage to the house, but we're interested in a male who was seen calling to that house the previous evening and he was described as five foot eight, sandy brown hair, slight build, and we think he may have some connection with the, the incident of the petrol bomb later on that night. Okay, and uh, we've a petrol bomb in Drogheda to report on next. Yes, this happened uh, on uh, Sunday morning, the the twenty sixth at uh, ten to one, and it happened in the Treadview Estate, featured on LMFM already. A side bay window of a house was uh, attacked. The curtains were set on fire, but the the occupier of the house was able to extinguish the fire and there were slight damage caused to the downpipes, but it happened in the Treadview area at about 10 to 1. So anybody who may have seen anything in that area, please contact the Guardian at Drogheda 041 Very serious crimes indeed. Now yep. uh, to something completely different. Uh, you've uh, something of great value. I'm sure it would be of great value to somebody uh, listening to us. Uh, it's an old wedding ring. Uh, you've uh, actually just handed it over to me. Yeah, uh, Mike. Uh, what year does this date back to? It's actually engraved on the inside, June 1933, and the inscription on the inside uh, is Eddie and Peggy. Suggests that maybe it was a marriage ring, a uh, wedding band. It looks like it. It's small. Uh, mm. Mike, as you can see, I'm yep. not sure if you're small familiar. Small finger, yeah. It's yep. very tiny. It's size L and a half. Okay. So um, if anybody of your listeners out there has an Eddie and a Peggy, in the family, mm. and we may have been married in 1933. Please get us a little bit more information. We have some more information mm-hmm. about that ring and get in touch with us. We'd love to get it back to the owners. Okay, uh, and uh, indeed, uh, perhaps their children or their children's children, as the case may be, because that's a, a marriage that would have taken place about 86 years ago, I think, if uh, yeah, Mike, my sums are right. La- yes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely yeah, yeah, correct, yeah, yeah, 85, yeah. 86 years ago, mm-hmm. and it would be lovely to get it back to the family. Okay. Eddie and Peggy, June 1933. Uh, and uh, before you leave us, uh, some banknotes uh, to report on. Uh, these are dye-stained banknotes yes. uh, that uh, people might have seen on television last night. Yes, and and they're popping up, and generally the dye stain uh, banknotes are the result of crime. The the, the dye explodes when a canister is stolen, and that's how you end up with a dye stained note. And I suppose the public would be anxious to know, what do you do if you're presented with a a dye stained banknote? Well, we're asking members of the public not to accept these, and and, um, uh, if you you do come into possession of a a dye stained 
banknote, you can bring it to your credit union or your bank. They will credit it to your account. You will not get cash. And once the verification process is complete, they will credit it to your account. And there is a form in MN1 uh, you will be probably asked to complete and you will be likely to be asked to complete that form. It's not a matter of bringing these notes and getting an exchange. Don't accept them either if you are in a retail business and the customers are coming and presenting these notes. Um, they're usually the results of uh, criminal activity. Mm. And uh, I'm sure uh, anybody who presents uh, these notes will be asked uh, where they originated from. Yeah. You know, you mm. could, in, mm. look, you could inadvertently get some in a bun- bundle of notes. Mm. And in, in, that, in that, in that mm. case, mm. you're, you'll be likely to uh, be requested to complete the uh, Central Bank of Ireland mutilated tender form. And if you don't have a bank account, you will last answer, you will be probably asked to bring it to the teller section, Central Bank of Ireland, Dame Street, Dublin. Okay. Well, thank you indeed. Uh, i just uh, give you back that uh, wedding yeah. ring if I can. Uh, and I hope we get an order Yeah, for it. it really is very small. wouldn't fit on any of my fingers, uh, but no. uh, I'm sure it uh, was uh, belonging uh, to the small finger of a, a very loved local woman uh, named Peggy. Peggy, back in 1933. Thank yeah. you indeed. Sergeant thank Vincent Jackson uh, will return to the Garda Crime Desk in around the same time on next Tuesday. Program. Our time has run out on us today, and God willing, we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye bye. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now Michael at LMFM.ie. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.